Hey everybody, welcome to the In and After Show. It's me, Lindsay Leverage, and James Beckett. And today we've got some um, fun, con not controversial at all, topics for the news section. We it's literally just, never talk about anything controversial. No, so this is all just like, surprising. you know, straight, no opinions, mm -hmm. how it is, uh, content for you, your You podcast. and I are, are, are both famous for our lack of takes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really care about anything. Yeah. Especially during this uh, midterm election day recording. Oh, I'm definitely not uh, anxiously refreshing the polls page literally as we speak. <laughs> that would be funny. You should mention that because I am also not doing that, but it's because I have so much anxiety about the results that I uh, just I'm just not looking at it, and I may never look at it. And if anyone tries to talk to me about the results, I'll just scream until they stop. Normal procedure in America yeah. these days. Yeah. I did vote though, and I hope everyone listening to this, if you're not here live with us right now on uh, Tuesday, November 8th, and are instead listening on Wednesday, November 9th. Or well, any day thereafter. You reap what you sow. I hope you're voted. If you didn't yeah. vote, you should feel bad about that. And that's all I'm going to say. Unless you're not in America, in Unless which case, we're jealous. Know. Yes. Um, Maybe. I guess it Maybe. kind of depends, honestly. There's, there's a lot, yeah. There's a lot there. You Things know. are ugly everywhere these days. But. Yeah, they, they truly are. Um, but one way that you can help make it better is by going to the polls and voting in your local election, wherever you are. Yeah. Um, so on, on that, uh, oh, I also would like to remind everyone, you know, to, hey, subscribe to this channel on YouTube slash Twitter slash Facebook. We are Vote live at six. Vote for A and N at six p.m. Yeah. Pacific, nine p.m. Eastern every Tuesday, where we talk about Chainsaw Man. We will definitely be talking about Chainsaw Man. See what screenshots we can put up here without getting canceled by good taste. Yeah, there was a lot this week. It was a great episode, though. I actually, episode five may very well have been my favorite episode so far. It's real good. It's real good. Um, before we get to Chainsaw Man and Mob Psycho because I'm once again terrified to eat broccoli, thanks to that show. And Akiba Made War, which has its own vegetation theme this week. Kind, kind of, yeah. Who's like a tomatoes, you know? Yes. Well, I, I think tomatoes are fruits, but... Uh... They, they, are, they are biologically fruits, culinarily vegetables. So either one, that's why vegetation, is that only vegetables or is that growth? Oh, well, you know that probably that probably does count. I just I've been on kind of a fruits uh, classification kick. Some of my oh yeah, have you tried apples since last week, James? Uh, you know I haven't, but we did talk apples because uh, we were we went down the rabbit hole of discovering that strawberries and blueberries and no that strawberries and blackberries and raspberries are not berries. Um, I think I knew that, but yeah, but uh, pumpkins are. As our pumpkins apples. are fruit, yeah. I no, actually, the pumpkins are a berry. Actually, they're a, they're a, a squash, James. A squash or berries? I've learned this. This is I. I my mind was completely blown. I've learned that all it takes to be a berry, the, mm -hmm. the three classifications are: you got to have skin on the outside. Okay. You got to have a layer of of some kind of flesh. Okay. And then you have to have a cluster of seeds. In the middle. Multiple has to be more than one. If it's only one, then you're a droop, which is right. different. 
like a peach or a plum or any of the stone fruits, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. I don't know how I feel about that. Mainly, gourds are, are a subtype of berry. They're called um, like pep pepos or something like that. They're basically berries with with hard rind skins. I don't like that. I know. <laughs> to me, a berry a berry should be able to fit in the palm of my hand. Like when I visually think of berries, they're things that are that are small, mm -hmm. and I can hold them. And I can't do that with a pumpkin. It takes. Yeah, you got the little pumpkins. You got those little ones that you put on like the table. There are the tiny, cute ones, um, or the pie pumpkins. But yeah. you might be right. But I'm just not going to. Um, You're just not going to acknowledge it. No, okay. mm -mm, I don't like it. I've decided no. It feels wrong to me, just like uh, Celsius. So, <laughs> not a controversial take at all. Hey, Chris, how you doing? We talk about that all the time. Um, argument. He's Canadian, so we argue about Celsius versus Fahrenheit. And I just want to know that Fahrenheit is better for temperature outside because it feels more right to to like. When you say it's eighty five degrees outside, I feel like yeah. that makes more sense than whatever the Celsius equivalent is. I can't. Oh tell no, you. it's twelve degrees outside. I should get my sunscreen. Come on. <laughs> it's just not a great unit of measurement for for feel. You know. We should go to Kelvin, right? Maybe I haven't thought about Kelvin decomposing chemistry. <laughs> so energy. I'm, I'm not yeah, a I'm scientist. Like, I don't know if that's the same thing, and I don't want to be on the record as saying it is. So you don't want to get corrected in the comments? No, because um, I'm probably going to about like eight other things today. Okay. So yeah. All right, everybody. So um, oh, we've already got. See, we've already got a great guy from Facebook. Bye. <laughs> Also, I'm not a liberal, guys. I'm a leftist. Yeah. It's not the same thing. All right. No. Um, Liberals anyway. are uh, fake ass bitches. <laughs> <laughs> they call them fake ass bitches. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I get paid to be here. All right. Ooh. So, speaking of um, fake ass bitches. Hey, what a great transition. <laughs> hey, there was a really interesting story that came through um, this week that involves a parking lot in Nebraska and a Chili's. And so if you were on the internet recently, or if you're familiar with a certain voice actor who doesn't really do much voice acting work anymore for reasons, wow. you may have seen uh, the sad plight of Vic Mignogna in Nebraska. We're just going for the throat today. Um, the, sad, the sad plight of Vic Mignona should be the name of like the next great American novel. Where it's just like, it's some completely other guy named Vic Mignona, but like he has to live in this world where this other douchebag has his name. And I think, just... unfortunately, that's one thing me and Vic Mignona might have in common is that there is no one else in this world with our exact same name. Um, yeah. But that's about where the similarities end. So, all right. It's story time, guys. Uh, we don't do this that often, but who doesn't like a good roast every once in a while? Let's put some chestnuts on this uh, fire and get going. So this goes all the way back to mid-September, where a fan of Vic Mignogna, though still exist, wanted to bring him to Omaha, Nebraska for a meet and greet. Um, if you're not familiar with Vic Mignogna, he used to voice a lot of roles for Funimation, and that stopped after Funimation conducted a investigation into claims of sexual misconduct involving um, co-workers. 
and congoers, and they found at the time that those had merit and they no wanted no longer wanted to engage with him in freelance work. Uh, for, voice actors are contractors, so you just quit giving them jobs, and that's kind of the end of it. Um, this culminated in a lawsuit that Vic Mignogna brought against uh, his co-workers and Funimation and one of his co-workers' fiancés. We've talked about this before. Uh, this is like years old at this point. Uh, to summarize, he lost and then he appealed and then he lost. And um, He lost so many times, so publicly and so completely uh, that it truly boggles the mind. <laughs> it's honestly one of the probably one of the greatest acts of repeated, flagrant, borderline masochistic self-ownage that I've ever seen on so many levels. Yes. Um, there's like, <laughs> there's just, there's a lot of, I mean, we could get into the knockoff Funko Pop that was presented on a, like a monitor on top of a garbage can. There's, there's been, there's been a, there's been a lot. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of money owed at this point because of the decisions made by the courts, but he does still have his his fans, and they wanted him to come out to Omaha. And nowadays, if you want to get Vic Mignogna out to Omaha or maybe anywhere else in the country, um, you're going to have to foot the bill yourself because conventions are no longer inviting him on the scale that they were before. And typically, that sometimes includes airfare hotel cost and all those other sorts of things for guests at a convention. So um, given that he's not, he wasn't appearing at an actual convention, someone else needed to front that money because I guess he doesn't have it. Um. <laughs> so in September, one of these fans posted in an Omaha cosplayers Facebook, and they were basically asking for help to raise $1,500 to bring Vic Mignogna out. This would cover flight, food, and hotel. And they said that if you donated at least $100 to this cause, you would get a meet and greet with Vic Mignogna. Um, the people in the Facebook group were like, no, though, we don't want him here. And the post was eventually taken down. Regardless, uh, the money was raised. He has managed to raise a lot of money. For instance, there was, you know, the, the GoFundMe for his legal fees leading up to his court case and managed to raise over $250,000 at the time. Money so. well spent. <laughs> Money well spent. Yeah. Probably would have been better to put that into Bitcoin, guys, or something at this point. Like, I don't know. Ethereum. Uh, yeah. Twitter stock. <laughs> Twitter stock. Tesla stock. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, that's a whole other thing. Um, so anyway... Uh, Anime Nebraska on is a convention. Vic Mignano was not there, but there was a booth for a comic shop called Krypton Comics, and they had a nice little printout at their booth advertising the fact that Vic Mignano would be appearing at their store for the signing. So that seemed to be like what the arrangement was when people saw that. Um, they again contacted the comic book store and let them know about the allegations about against Vic Mignogna or that they wouldn't frequent the store if he ended up going there. The event was canceled. So now there was no longer a venue for Vic Mignogna, but he was already coming out to Omaha and, you know, they'd raised this money to bring him out there, but there was nowhere to have a signing for him. And his autographs, by the way, also cost, I guess, about $40. So if you, if you did show up, 
and paid $40, you could get his autograph, which I think is a little steep, actually, compared to what you usually see at the convention, if uh, at conventions when voice actors charge for autographs. I've seen closer to like 20, maybe. I was going to say 20. Like, I mean, if it's if there's like a big name or if, well, now usually if it's just like a big name, I, I've seen a little bit higher just yeah. to like keep the crowds under control. Mm. Um, that's usually yeah. like the, one of the cited reasons is just to make it so that it doesn't like get swarmed. Plus, yeah. you know, I want to make money, but, yeah. um, 40 bucks for, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Anyway. It's a little steep. We'll see. So, uh, Mignogna's fans were trying to find a, a, a new venue for him to appear at in order to do these signings. And they gave a new location, which um, happened to be like a strip, like a business park that included a dentist's office and some other uh, small businesses. It's not like a hotel that would have a conference room or anything. Um, one of his supporters said that they knew a guy who worked security there and that the security guy had was going to was going to let them use the conference room at the location. Um and I guess that information was shared with someone who was not a fan of Vic Mignogna. And I don't know who, but someone contacted the building management. And the sign you can see on your screen here, if you're watching the video version of this, was put up to basically say, no, um, we were not contacted about having a public event here. There will be no Vic Mignogna signing at this location. So once again, no venue for the signing, um, so Vic Mignogna, there's video of this, although it was privated recently, there might be a copy somewhere. So uh, Vic Mignogna showed up at uh, the business park uh, parking lot in a minivan. It's funny that it's a minivan. <laughs> it has real um, Rudy Giuliani giving a press conference outside of the Four Seasons Landscaping Company vibes, yeah. except yeah. Uh, Rudy actually booked a venue. So... <laughs> It was uh, across the street, if I remember correctly, from a crematorium and a sex shop. <laughs> yeah. So, two year but, anniversary of that very recently, by the way. Never forget. Never forget. Um, so he shows up in the minivan. There's, there's a, I don't know, roughly half a dozen people there to get his autograph. He starts walking over to people in their cars to sign it, kind of like a, you know, Sonic burgers. Like a counterfeit Rolex salesman. <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking of a bar hop, but yes, or car hop, sorry. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, just kind of rolling. He signs a couple of them. Security comes out because he wasn't allowed to be there. They tell him he has to leave. Um, he has to he has to leave. And there is some yelling um, because people who weren't fans of him also showed up to record it. Someone might have called him Mangina to his face. There was a lot of excuse me Sorry, going on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he and his remaining supporters, uh, they went to Chili's. Yeah, they did. And that's that's where it ends, guys. That's, um, you know. Honestly, wasn't, wasn't there like a big selfie where it was like, had a such a wonderful fan meeting event 
that was completely and totally planned at, to take place at the chilies. At the chilies, yes. And yep. do you uh, do we do we want to assume? I guess we don't want to make any allegations. Mm -hmm. But what's the over under on um, him uh, getting his tab uh, completely covered? <laughs> do you, do you oh. think? He, do you think you do you think you even helped with like the tip or no? no probably not. I mean, this is complete speculation, but I do not think he paid for his meal. I'm sure there was some, some you know, like make you feel better pity sort of stuff going on after his parking lot signing got busted up by the rent cops. And no, I don't. I don't think he covered any of that. I'm sure pure speculation. Pure pure speculation. No, I did. I have not seen the receipt. Do not know whose card was put down for that. But, uh, but if, if anyone that works at that Chili's is happening to listen to this podcast, please. <laughs> hey, my email is lindsay, L-Y-N-Z-E-E, -E, at animenewsnetwork.com. If you got a hot tip about what apps were ordered at yeah. that Chili's that day, would love to hear from you. How many of those disgusting cheap margaritas did... Vic Mignona down to uh, try to cover up the shame of what just happened to him. You know, I'll give him credit. Chili's is better than an Applebee's. You can quote yeah. me on that. So, yeah. Is Chili's know. the one that has the two, well, probably not anymore with inflation, but did, was Chili's the one that had the two for 20? I don't know. That was a pretty okay. good deal. Whatever, Whichever one of the they might have the big streams. ribs, you know, yeah. they've got the ribs. I think the ribs are okay, right? I don't I haven't been to a Chili's in a long time. Me neither. I'm not too good for Chili's. I just, the only one local to me is across town. And I just, I'm not over that way very often, you know? So, yeah. No, around where I live, it's more like, uh, we have we have a lot of pho restaurants. Yes. Um, a lot pho. of sushi. Mm -hmm. But uh, I want to say the closest thing we have to a Chili's nearby, my part of town is like a, uh, it's like a, it's like a boutique burger, burger joint where the burgers are like 17 bucks. So. We don't Is go there Red after Robin. That. No, no, it's called the Crave Burger. Oh, okay. Red yeah. Robin's gone downhill too. Yeah. For anyone who's listening to this for recommendations on uh family sit-down restaurants, there you go. Red yeah, Robin. they've gotten a real chintzy with that unlimited basket of steak fries. Let me tell you. Yeah. They'll give you like five like fries anyway. at a time. Yeah, I know. I know. That's never that good. I mean, you go for, you went for the burgers and then it yeah. I guess we do have confirmation that it was Applebee's with the two for 20. All right. Thanks, so, Nicholas. This yeah. is kind of hard-hitting journalism that everyone here tunes in for. Johnny Rockets also ain't too good these days, Nick says. We don't have that on my side of the country. Johnny Rockets never been to one of those. We have a, we have Gunther Tooties here, which has always been terrible. But like You say Gunther Tooties? Gunther Tooties, yes. It's a 50s diner. Um, just Gunther is not a name I associate with the 1950s. It's a name I associate with, like, Backwoods, Wisconsin. I mean, uh, you know, pretty much the only notable thing about it is that my dad used to call it Gunther Tooties because whenever we ate there, he would get Toot the toots. Yep. Mm -hmm. That is A plus dad joke, 100%. Yeah. So this is the best episode of the ANN After Show ever, right? That's what we're doing. Yes. Uh, this is the highlight of this podcast ever. Um, I guess we'll just close on the note to say that this story is very sad. And if you didn't watch the video, I don't blame you because the secondhand embarrassment is like way up there. And all of us, you know, are just ready to kind of move on with our, with our cartoons. No. And I don't know. I just keep saying, get a job at a dentist office or something, but we all know he's too narcissistic to ever do that. Hey, -o. so hey. 
Gunther Tootie is the name of an evil possum lawyer in a kid's cartoon. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, or like one of the animatronic possums from uh, the Goofy movie. Yeah. Um, speaking of other controversial things, hey, have you seen this stuff about Final Fantasy 16? IGN posted an interview, and we've also got an article up on Anime News Network about this. We talked to an actual medieval history uh, professor. Her name is Dr. Uh, Rambaran Olm about this. Uh, so, hey, uh, Naoki Yoshida did an interview with IGN about Final Fantasy 16. And they asked him, you know, hey, why do why do all the characters in your trailer like why are they all pale? Are you gonna have other characters that maybe are not pale? Just want some clarification on that. Yoshida was like, no, mostly, <laughs> and he gave some reasons. And his reasons were, uh, it's based on medieval Europe, and also if we included brown people in this, it might trigger audience preconceptions inviting unwarranted speculation and ultimately stoking flames of controversy, which I think is a really shitty statement, just my opinion. Um, but we talked to someone who actually knows about the history of this. Cause he also, you know, cited anthropological and cultural standards of the time. And I was like, is that true? So we talked to her and Hey, that's also not true. And Med I kinda... medieval Europe was very diverse. Mm -hmm. uh, not a lot of upward mobility for most folks, but still, <laughs> Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, yeah, there it even in England, like it wasn't uh completely isolated, right? Yeah. I mean, there was stuff like the Silk Road trade trading going on. Um there there's the Moors in Spain and, and Italy, Malta. Um, there's a lot of history there that I think has gotten whitewashed to the point where our preconceived notions about what constitutes European fantasy is influenced by that and it isn't accurate and it's limiting to both the kinds of things you can put in your fantasy setting um, and it just continues to perpetuate a white focused narrative that's boring at this point like yeah yeah uh, yeah I mean I, I, I have to be honest I wasn't I wasn't super, I get why people are upset. Like it's, it's a, it's a crappy excuse. Yeah. I don't know how much of that has to do maybe with the language barrier and like, you know, it being kind of a difficult concept to talk about when you're coming from like such a different background mm -hmm. um, and such a different language. Um, and I, I always try to remind myself that even though diversity is for very good reason, a, a big part of the conversation being had everywhere nowadays. And he even talks about that um, in the interview. Um, I always try to remind myself that for other cultures, for better or worse, um, the, the topic of ethnic and racial diversity is not at the forefront of the public consciousness in the same way that it is here in America. Right. Right. So you know, yes, I'm, you know, if they're online, you know, they're seeing all the discourse and, you know, they're making games for an international audience and they're presumably working with, you know, like the, the American branch of Square. Um, but uh, all of this is to say that I want to give Yoshi P the benefit of the doubt, partially because I know that, like in Final Fantasy fourteen, the diversity isn't perfect by any means, but there is like very clearly, you know, there are a lot of different types of people, body types, skin colors, all that stuff. And the the weird 
what I think reads is defensiveness of his response. I, I'm wondering if there isn't, I'm not going to say like a good reason because there really isn't a good reason. Like you said, like if you, if you want to make it accurate to actual earth medieval Europe, you're going to have all sorts of different people in there one way or the other. Yeah. But the, the, his line about controversy and like preconceptions, uh, cause he talks later in that interview about how, um, like so much of the the game is focused on like the different like political rivalry of the kingdom and like the insular nation, you know, like the insular nature of like this particular chunk of the world they've explored. And I'm wondering if like in their mind, the thinking was, well, we have like all of these different kingdoms and my guess is they all probably suck. That's, that's going to be my guess is they're all pretty bad. They all do bad things. Um, and I'm wondering one to be associated yeah, in the I'll, audience mind with like this bad kingdom, the people they're the brown are, ones. Yeah, that's what I. And again, we haven't played the game, so we don't know. But yeah, that, I could see how that perspective, especially if you're coming at it from a non-Western, non-American point of view, could make sense. Where mm-hmm. you know we don't want people thinking that we are making some kind of comment about like you know the you know the kingdom of black people is inherently like this or the yeah, kingdom yeah. of Indians. That being said, they wrote the story and they could have easily written it in a way that didn't lead to those potential assumptions if that yeah. is in fact the 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 problem. So I don't know. It's weird. It's something that I it probably it kind of reminds me of I don't know if you remember when um when uh, people were uh, getting a little upset with the way that Quiet from Metal Gear Solid Five was was being marketed. Um, she's the bikini clad one. Right. Yeah, I do remember that. I didn't play the game, so I don't know like how much of that. There wasn't. And she, yeah. He, he just wanted to draw a sexy bikini lady with a sniper rifle. That's all he wanted to do. Right. But and he, it's he not the first the... time he's had a sexy lady with a gun oh, in one of his no. games by any means. So. But uh, but he he had the he had that whole thing where he's like, you know, once you play the game and like play it in context, like you'll be ashamed for jumping to these conclusions. And I feel like. The response has a little bit of that vibe where it's like they have these like deeper reasons that you'll understand once you play it. And it's like, but will we? Yeah, wasn't the thing with Quiet not just that she was like in a bikini, but like she doesn't talk, right? For like a lot of it. So wasn't it also like we had this really hot girl who doesn't talk at all and shoots the gun sort of deal? Yeah, I kind of remember that. Yeah. And I mean, maybe it did make sense in the context of like, her story arc or something in the game. But again, haven't played the game. So I she was really... photosynthetic. That was their reasoning was she, she absorbs sunlight. And turns so she's it like a energy. plant. Yeah. A little bit. And, and so that's okay. why she wears a bikini. Cause she needs to. Oh, okay. Like, that's, that's okay. Kind of so, like uh, Starfire from the DC comics. It's sort of okay. like the same okay. kind of thinking, I guess. I don't, what, is, what does that have to do with her? Like, not talking much. Oh, that actually is like a, there's like a whole, that would take okay. way too long to explain. Okay. 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 Yeah. In the context yeah. of the game, there's a whole, there's a whole thing about language and like, okay. In like infection via language, like Pontypool style a little bit. So the, oh, okay. there's a whole thing, but still it's, it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, like the last thing I want to say is I think a lot of, um, Westerners who play Japanese games also assume that like race just isn't an issue in Japan because it's an island nation and the majority is like singular but there's colorism in Japan too and not every Japanese person has the same skin tone 
and people well, the, I, the I knew are also a thing. <laughs> the I knew are a thing, yes. And there's also um, uh, like if you Okinawa and stuff like that, where you get further south into a more tropical region, and like people appear differently. Uh, there's just that is still a thing, even though it's not one-to-one the same racial issues that we see in the United States. Like there's still stereotyping and um, discrimination based on those sorts of things. There's beauty standards that, that those people aren't necessarily considered to be adhering to. Um, And there's also mixed race people in Japan. Probably one most people would be familiar with is uh, Naomi Osaka the fantastic tennis player and she's run into issues regarding her skin color in Japan as well. Uh, We wrote an article about it. Just Google Naomi Osaka cup noodles. Uh, That animated ad does not exist anymore. Um, But Naomi Osaka did not look like Naomi Osaka in the animated cup noodle ad. It was a crossover between Prince of Tennis. So there are things there that people like to just say, Oh, well, you know, they don't know anything about, that kind of stuff because they come from this sort of culture. And it's like, no, that is also, it also exists there. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I I think with the the Final Fantasy 16 thing, he might've been fine too, if he didn't try to invoke like history as the reasoning behind it, because it was, that's flawed and it's not accurate. And as soon as you do that, it's like, no, you're just continuing to perpetuate the stereotype about history that isn't true. Um, So all of that being said, those are our our two main news stories. We've hit 6.30 and we got to talk about Chainsaw Man. Yeah, we do. Yeah. This was a whammy of an episode. Um, Do people say whammy or just me? We say whammy. We say whammy here. (laughs) I have not gone through all the screen caps that James has sent me. Although he did let me know that most of them are horny. So um, if you stuck through my rants, uh, we're now going to get to the titties. So congratulations. And there's, a, there's a lot of them. So. There, there was a lot of boobs in this episode. And they're not even attached to a giant disgusting leech creature. So. I'm so happy about that. I'm so oh, happy yeah. that these are uh, normal boobs. I guess you could say fiend boobs. Are fiend boobs technically zombie boobs? Hmm. That's a good question. Probably. I No, I feel like in order to, I feel like our modern conception of the word zombie, there has to be some like rot. Rotting. Yeah. Yeah. And power's not rotting, even yeah. though her consciousness is not the original. I mean, one. she probably, she probably smells like a zombie just given her <laughs> hygiene habits. But... I think they're making her bathe more since she moved in with Aki, you know, or at least I hope. At least I hope she's flushing the toilet and taking a bath. That's my hope. Um, but all right. So we the cliffhanger last episode was Denji was going to get to touch Power's boobs three times specifically in this bathroom. And then it cut. And now um, we pick right up. And I felt like this scene was really like awkwardly intense. Nothing like that's not a criticism. It's just like. It captured Denji's headspace, I think, very yes. well. Yes, yeah, it did. He was very like, this like, is the culmination oh, of my, my life's work. <laughs> my, <laughs> this is I, I, I have lived for just this moment and nothing else. Yeah, and uh, it's gonna happen. He's gonna touch a booty. Yeah, and the first group was funny because 
Power's fake boobies fell out immediately. The she she pads her bra, um, and is I'm not at all just ashamed. for this occasion. Or well, do you think maybe she did that as like you know like it's kind of what I thought. She's on like, top sort of yeah. situation. Like he probably wants to squeeze big boobies, so you know I'll, I'll spruce him up a little. Like <laughs> I kind of thought it was sweet of her to be yeah. honest. Like she had to go buy those or yeah, them or whatever. So. Like she had to. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, she she's not even remotely ashamed of it, which I feel like in most situations, like there's a lot of there's a lot of controversy around boobs for girls. Okay, like there's a, like if you don't have the big ones, like there there's like this whole like femininity connected to breast size thing that I think is especially more apparent when you're a teenager. So, oh, and how many anime have like ha- any scene with have two big girls... titty fourteen year olds? A lot. Well, yeah. not just that, but like any time you get two female characters like by themselves more than a second, yeah. someone's making a joke about someone else having like tiny boobs, tiny boobs, like, oh, or or you. just how big they are, and your friends yeah. groping you in the changing room, and like none of that happens. I'm sorry to ruin the fantasy. So it was interesting to me that she was like, "Yeah, you know, I just I just got these." Yeah. They're pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty neat. Um, and the way she talks about it the entire time is really funny. Like, the screenshot we have up now, she's saying, now, two squeezes remain. And then after this one, she actually says, uh, the final fondling. Yes. Which I thought was really funny, turn of phrase there. Yes. Um, she's, like a, she's like a wish. She's like a, a, a dirty little, like, genie. He's like, you, <laughs> should, you shall have your wishes three. <laughs> you shall squeeze my boobies, T. Like, it's just, I don't know, like, yeah. And then but, she's just like, hey. Hey, yeah, I thought like the afterwards where it was really obvious, at least to her, that like this was just kind of a casual thing. They're they're buddies. Um, you know, no big deal, at least to her at the time. You know, hope you had hope you had fun, catch you later, sort of deal. I mean, she did like sort of a fake moan thing the first time around that yeah, was she's like just screwing with him. I don't yeah, think she's yeah. just screwing with him. Denji, on the other hand, is in shock. For I mean, like he's full blue screened. He's completely <laughs> he's broken. He's a broken man. He is completely. He's just like walking through life. Like I felt bad for him, actually. I mean, so I've read the manga, so I need I know how this was gonna play out, but I thought they did a really good job with it um in this anime version here about showing like what it's like to kind of build up a certain experience in your mind and then it doesn't meet your expectations Mm -hmm. and i don't know it's been a long time for me since i was young so i don't really remember if i had anything any feelings like this associated with romantic stuff as a teenager but so i kind of wonder like is this a like a common a common experience yeah i don't know i gotta admit i i kind of skipped straight ahead to makima's uh um, yeah i I've, I've i've always been the kind of person where i can't i'm not like really i'm it's hard for me to be into someone unless i'm already like friends with them i like them like I yeah know them right yeah and yeah so the whole idea of like just randomly groping boobs that belong to someone 
that I don't you don't know really particularly know. well. Yeah. I've never, I've never understood the appeal of that. Yeah. Um. So I've always been more in in Makima's camp, where it's like you know, sex stuff is it's nice when you're when the person on the other side of the boob groping is also having a good time, and you're both. You know, <laughs> I think it's also important, like up to this point, like he didn't think he really liked power even as a person much. Like she had said things that had hurt his feelings up to that point. I feel like they're actually better friends now by the end of this episode. Oh, yeah. Or throughout this episode than they were in the previous one. But um, at least leading up to this, you know, he had we saw him thinking like, I'm never going to get along with her. You know, uh, she was kind of mocking the stuff about Denji, but she's apologized since then or told him that she understands how he feels now. And I think that actually might have more to do with like why they have a better rapport, but yeah. this picture is really funny. Like this but, entire sequence is really funny. Once you scrape someone's Duke off of a toilet, um, <laughs> like you either have to become besties with them or yeah. lifelong enemies. Like you can't yeah. really, you can't be casual acquaintances with someone that you've, you know, ground the duke out with the pumice stone like that's just i don't know if that's like a part of the human experience like yeah there's some yeah. kind of evolutionary switch that gets flipped where it's like i either have to love this person on some level mm -hmm. or i have to kill them but either <laughs> way <laughs> i'm never scraping this duke again like get me out of here yeah yeah so the confrontation with well not confrontation but the conversation with makima here about um you know what makes for a fulfilling romantic or, or sexual experience like this was also intense mm -hmm. like as a viewer um and i again thought they did a really good job getting into his headspace um and like adding the like the the tension here that we get from the manga but even making it more so because you know it's like fluid animation this part with the hands was dirty this was like naughty this is Stop. like the this can I just say this is so much hotter than any of the the nonsense garbled censored would be porn crap that we've had to deal with over the last few years yeah where they're just flinging tits at the screen left and right yeah. uh because I mean again this is just me but I I think I think Mikey is right um and this has been my complaint you, you remember we've we've gone over this before mm, yes my biggest complaint about sex in anime is that it never feels like any of the characters have any idea of what actual sex is or how it works or, or why it's fun. They yeah. just have been told that they need to squeeze boobies and therefore they do, or yeah. they don't want to. And then comically the boobies get shoved into their faces. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly kind of love that Chainsaw Man is, it's kind of like a, an honest deconstruction of that whole trope. Yeah. Where it's like, here's what would happen if we took a perverted anime idiot and actually had him interact with real people in a yeah. kind of a real, I mean, I'm not going to say a realistic world, but you know, like he would probably go, oh, well, I guess those are boobs. Um, what now? Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of where it seems like his brain is at. And then he has this very like vulnerable conversation with her, where with Makima, where he explains, you know, what happened, where I feel like. And that's Denji being very like um, feelings on his sleeve, so heart on his sleeve sort of situation. Because I he was pretty quick to own up that he touched tits and it wasn't as great as he thought it was. And like the idea of even saying that to like a, your superior at work is a lot. But um, I mean, the only other boss he's ever had is an abusive psychopathic Yakuza guy. That's so, true. Or mob boss. So it's like, eh. 
He doesn't know about workplace decorum. This ear part was also a lot. Like, it's like, they, they do the hand thing, and there's some suggestive motion with the hands that is, for lack of a better word, like, stroking. And then um, she brings his hand up to her ear, and he, like, feels her ear and I'm like oh my god this is so intimate and I should not be watching this right now like is this okay god god bless the perverts that animated this scene and I mean yeah. that sincerely like you you know that they're at MAPPA there has to be there's the ear guy or gay <laughs> yeah and they're the ones that when this when they got to this panel when they were like making their storyboards or whatever you know they 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 took their pitch and they brought it to the the CEO of MAPPA and they said I have lived my entire life waiting for this moment, just yeah. like Denji has been waiting for the boobies. And I must yeah. draw the fingers gently caressing that earlobe. Yes. Yeah. And then she does, she's like, has anyone ever bit your finger before? And again, these are all like small, like sexual uh, foreplay sort of things that you aren't usually focused on in anime when they're trying to set up a sexy scene. Like there isn't a lot of like, you're rubbing or or the hand thing which actually honestly reminded me a little bit of the uranus and neptune hand thing from s which was a kunihiko ikuhara bit and it was also felt very intimate and romantic um and then she just like bites his finger and you can tell okay well she he also grabs your boob but i think before <laughs> the boob but now um, it means something. <laughs> it does. It means something because there was all this foreplay before the boob. It wasn't just like straight to boob. There was a, there was a buildup and, and attention to it. And prior to this, you know, she bites his finger. And then Denji actually takes a little bit of initiative there because he goes back for like a lip caress with his thumb. Like all of this, I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so intimate. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, he... Uh, and then he like nearly dies, which was a really funny way to kind of like lighten it after we got this kind of heavy, like intense, intimate scene. Um, we go back to some anime hijinks there. Like I almost would like it if he hadn't flipped shit and just it like she just kind of naturally left the office and he was left there to himself or something. But it was still pretty funny. So I'll let that well, go. and I think I almost feel like it wouldn't have been in character for Denji because. I think yeah. one of the endearing things about him is that he, like, he is an, a horny idiot, you know? Yeah. And but he's also, top. yes. But he's also a horny idiot that, like, up until maybe a few days ago, had never eaten a meal that wasn't just a plain piece of bread. Yeah, it was like <laughs> living so, off Wonder Bread. Yeah. So, like, not only is all of this, like, fulfilling just whatever, you know, teenage carnal puberty fantasies he has, but this is, like, stimulation overload, just the amount yeah. of attention he's getting. Yeah, so I could see why he'd just be like, "What just what's happening to me?" If this was an older anime, he would have got a nosebleed, but I don't even think they do that anymore. I think that trope. But this dead, is so but... much more. This is, but this is again. I feel like I feel like Tatsuki Fujimoto knows what it's like not only to be a horny weirdo, yeah. as are so many of us in life, yeah. but he also knows how to convey the actual experience of that intimacy in mm -hmm. a way that I feel like so many anime just don't like scum's wish is one of the only other ones that I've ever seen. Yeah. Where it was like, Oh, like this is actually what it feels like to be in like a, a vulnerable, intimate, messy, weird place with someone. There's um, some of that in flowers of evil too. I would say. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but it is funny to me that he always has really sharp teeth. Yeah. Like, they do this intimate scene where, it's like, is she going to actually, like, kiss him or something? And um, Denji's just, he's got, he's all fangs all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this moment also introduces the fact that you know, Makima is holding the power in this situation here. Um, I mean, she is still his boss, but also, you know, she, just like when she first adopted Denji, so to speak, um, it was, I need you, you know, if I say bark, you say wolf sort of situation. And that's always been like an underlying thing in their relationship. Um, this well, moment, there, I can't remember if I got a screenshot, but isn't there that where he's like, are you saying that that if you're if you're like if your little Denji does his job, or he's like speaking in like the third person. Yeah, like, he kept referring to himself in the third person. Are you saying if Denji does what you ask, he will get any wish granted? And he says that like twice. He's, like, well, he's talking about himself in third person. I, I assume he had somewhat disassociated yeah. from the sheer intensity of the situation, and so was no longer referring to himself in the first person. But uh, yeah, Makima's bit is like, she does all of that. And then she's like, I need you to defeat the gun devil, which we hadn't really seen introduced yet at this point, the concept of the gun devil. I mean, we've seen Makima in previous episode talking to um, what looked like like Japanese political and military officials. And so we kind of get some information here about this gun devil that appeared 13 years ago and hasn't appeared since. And there was widespread devastation. It just like killed a whole bunch of people in an instant. And we also learned that devil's power are rooted in how scared humans are of them. And she talked about that a little bit before, like, you know, if there was a coffee devil, it wouldn't be that strong because people aren't really scared of coffee. But um, in this case, we learned that that extends to the fact that the government has deliberately withheld information from the public because if it incites fear in the public it could then empower the devil in the first place which is an interesting conundrum to me as a journalist right yeah that there's deliberate censorship here for the good of the people because of how this uh power system works for devils and um it was also funny to me that even when this happened and people started protesting or whatnot, um, U.S. Congress couldn't pass gun reform. Yeah. <laughs> so dark. It's so dark. But it's yeah. true, right? I mean, and it's like, it, you know, uh, as a teacher, unfortunately, the whole concept of like a school shooting is kind of permanently like at the forefront of my thoughts. Oh, yeah. And you know, one of the things they talk about is like, it's so tricky because on the one hand you want the world to know when these things happen and you want to know, you know, you want the the perpetrators to be identified so that they can be brought to justice and so that we can, you know, try to affect change. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's this idea that, you know, a lot of these people, you know, the reason that after Columbine school shootings became so much more prevalent than they were before is because yeah. people saw the, the media coverage. Mm-hmm. So they, they, the notoriety the, the notoriety the infamy of it right yeah you know, not only would they go out in a blaze of glory like a, the idiot asshole rejects that they are but they would live forever and you know as these symbols of you know the way that um the it's gotten to the point where I, i'm forgetting the names of some of the worst tragedies in our country's history but um the sandy hook 
um, yeah. guy had like he he his goal he claimed was to beat the the high score, yeah, <laughs> of right. murder. Yeah. yeah, and so I think it's 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 like you said it's it not only is it like a, a conundrum you know when you work in a profession where the you know the job is to report what's happening in the world when the not the consequences of it but the the kind of I guess natural effect of this the uh, potential side effect is yeah. yeah inspiring copycats yeah and then yeah. to turn it into like this literal monster for an anime I, I think chainsaw man is so much smarter than than the character chainsaw man yeah <laughs> yeah it's, yeah fujimoto yeah he was really smart with it with how he he put the story together um and kind of created an allegory here. Although if you read one of his uh, one shots, it seems like people reading into his story has also caused him some like uh, strife as well. Um, But yeah, um, I think that's kind of a a really good example of how some of this, some of this plays out in the real world. The scene here is showing France and I do not speak French, but I did look up one of the signs here and I'm not going to attempt to pronounce it in French because I would ruin it, but the English translation is their future was stolen. And that's the one that's um, being held over here. And I'm, I'm just kind of curious, like who they worked with to uh, put together this protest scene as well. But um, yeah, it's uh, very interesting to me, the kind of situation that that sets up. There has been actual movement to not publish the names of uh mass shooters specifically for this reason um but again that's like that's a debate within journalism itself too about whether to withhold the name intentionally for for that specific reason yeah but yeah this uh culminates in a flashback it's not immediately apparent that it's a flashback maybe it is if you've read the manga but um that is just if you have read it there's just this overwhelming dread the entire time watching it. Cause I knew what was going to happen and I didn't know how they were going to do it. Um, but this is Aki and he has a, a younger brother, Tayo, who is um, maybe has some kind of chronic illness or something. And on one snowy day, they go to play baseball, but he has to go inside to get his glove. And that's the moment that, um, the gun devil hits and just decimates everything in its path. We don't see it, but it, that's how Aki's entire family was just wiped out in a moment. And it's yeah. awful. And incredibly well done. I think the animation and the way it was edited and directed, like the, mm-hmm. um, the, this whole episode, you get um, little flashes of backstory and the amount they're able. And I think this is something that's really consistent with Chainsaw Man Mm-hmm. is how much the story is able to do with a relatively small amount of material. Yeah. Um, I think it's really impressive. Like after this one scene, like you get Aki's whole deal. Like you get why he is the way he is. Mm-hmm. You get why he's so hostile at first towards Denji. Um, because like this is, I mean, it's, yeah, it's like the worst thing imaginable. Yeah. And that like set him on the path that he ended up uh, heading down. And so probably to compare that backstory to what he thinks is just like, well, I want to touch the titty, so gonna kill some monsters. I mean, that would make it seem like he was maybe trivializing his emotional trauma. Um, Mm. He might not articulate it that way, but I think that's rooted in how Aki felt 
But yeah, just plot stuff here. You know, we find out that the gun devil, there's these bullet-shaped pieces of its flesh and certain devils have ingested those and it's empowered them. And so Makima's current goal is to collect those pieces um, because they are drawn to one another. And if they get basically a powerful enough gun devil magnet, it'll lead them towards the gun devil itself. And then she wants Denji to defeat it. Um, and she believes that he can do it regardless of the fact that he hasn't been there very long. Um, I liked this scene a lot. So yes. to break up again, they add this comedic scene where the entire, is it called section four department four? Um, I'm blanking. Yes. Aki's Aki's troop here. It's yeah. power Denji. Um, the guy whose name I never remember. Uh, I, 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 wait, I, I totally just had it. Cause they say his name at the very end of the episode. It's like Ira. I think is it. Um, Does it sound familiar to me? Something. I was gonna go with like a K sound, so I really have no idea. But it's a Denji Power, um, Aki Himeno, the dude, and um, Kobeni. Kobeni. So it's it's six people together, and they're going to a hotel that's supposed to have devil activity. The gun devil flesh is is drawn to it. And this scene is just power and Denji. Like, I hope they never stop giving Aki shit. Like, ever. So, it's funny that you say that. <laughs> uh, because, because they'll do anything for double mint gum. Well, not just that, but um, I, I think I got a screenshot of it. But they mentioned the prank that they pulled. Yeah. On, on Aki. And um, this is, it's not secondhand because it's, it's uh, it was on uh, Fujimoto's Twitter, but it was through Translate. And it was kind of other people's like interpretation of it. I'm assuming that they knew what they're talking about. But apparently he on Twitter, he revealed what the prank was. Oh, OK. He, he so, never... yeah, I was like, what prank? I don't remember a prank. So, what, yeah, James, what's the what was the prank? According to uh, the, my interpretation of Google Translate's translation of his Twitter and the reaction to it, uh, they put shit on his nose. Like from the toilet? They did. He did not specify. Should we just assume he was like it was in his sleep then? Yeah, like they, they, they like yeah they put it on his nose like in his sleep, like a like a dirty Sanchez or something. I don't know. That's all I know cool. is that's all the the tweet was just something like woke up with poo on his nose and he was like and I didn't want to like write it but that's what happened. It's funny to me too if I go back to the screenshot like the way it's presented is like they collaborated on this idea. Like one of them thought it would be funny and told the other one. And the other one was like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe like, maybe they got like a little cat turd out of the little box and like balance. Oh, it that's possible ones. too. Yeah. They could have just got, it could have been uh, Meowie's poop. Or maybe it was powers. It could have been powers. It's one or the other. I don't yeah. feel like it's Denji's. It's either powers or it's Meowie's poop. I feel like it would be easiest to use a scooper to do it. And then they wouldn't have to touch anything or dig in a toilet. But you know, powers, 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 power doesn't care. <laughs> power doesn't care. You're right. Um, yeah, this is the first kind of uh, uh, information or not information impression that we get of Himeno. Really, I mean, we saw her in a previous episode, but we kind of get her her flirtatious nature more here. Mm -hmm. um, poor Kobani. Lucky yeah, Kobeni? I ain't complaining if I'm Kobeni. I mean, <laughs> Himeno is wonderful. Yeah. Um, 
But I thought it was cute here that that uh, Denji was like, I don't need Himeno's kiss to motivate me because I've already got, you know, I've matured. I've so matured. Yes, and she's like, well, what about Tong? And he's like, yeah, let's do that. Um, <laughs> just him trying to like repeat. Well, this is that's like a perfect like uh, like at the end of those old Sonic the Hedgehog cartoons. It's like now remember, kids, uh, yeah. don't ever let your little brother play in the on the laundry machine, no matter how fun it looks to spin around in circles. I'm just imagining the version of the show at the end where Denji's like, now remember, kids, sex stuff feels better when it's two people who get each other. <laughs> the more you know. I'm gonna once again see if we can put this on Twitter without getting banned, but Thanks. yeah. And then, yeah. We're not making fun of Elon Musk, so anything goes, right? That's, that's the new rule. <laughs> so, this is a great, but yeah. So uh, Denji's just so enthusiastic about his potential French kiss. Uh, we get this flashback of, of Himeno. She's lost a ton of partners up to this point. I can't remember Grizzly Guy's name, but I love his voice. Yeah. He's cool. He's just, this is disgusting. The first monster that they encounter is just a head with a hand and a foot. And um, I hate, like... I hate how you can see like the like, the like where the muscles the, interact at the yeah, jaw and like yeah. the wrist joint where it's like that's not supposed to be there like uh. it's so gross yeah like it's just tacked on right there where the jaw would open and close um yeah it's actually pretty terrifying poor Kobeni now it's poor Kobeni now it's now it's poor. Poor but power you know power gets gets it dead and we learn that Himeno's got a contract with the ghost devil in the same way that Aki's got a contract with the fox devil and it'll you know just let her choke people out <laughs> that's that's funny. Funny. yeah it was it was pretty funny um but that's where our screen caps in and, and our team is left uh in a loop which is we don't really know what's behind that yet other than that they're trapped on the eighth floor of this hotel and if they try to go up or down the stairs they just end up back where they started so i don't remember much about how this part ends in the manga to be honest so it'll be a surprise for me next week yeah it's it's been long enough that i i've like i remembered the weird head thing yeah but everything else is uh and i'm i'm trying not to uh i do i try to check the manga after i watch the episodes just to uh -huh. see if there's any like major changes or but i try not to go back before just so i can be as surprised as possible yeah and um i, I was like trying to remember and a lot of this chunk of the manga actually is a, is a blur to me. Yeah. Um, the more recent stuff is what's the freshest in my mind. Yeah, probably. me too. Yeah, yeah. There's some scenes from that they might not get to in the season that are still stuck pretty firmly in my head, but this one, mm -hmm. not so much. Um, yeah. I don't remember if this is the arc where we meet Kobeni's car. I don't know either. Or no, I think that's later. I think that's also later, but yeah, so that kind of wraps it for Chainsaw Man this week. Oh, wait, uh, Lindsay, what did you think of this week's ending theme? Oh, I love, this is my favorite ending theme. Me too. It, they keep getting better. It needs they to do stop. Keep getting <laughs> so maybe I'll say something different next week. But right now, yeah. uh, episode five ending is definitely my favorite. Song is great, but I just really, really liked the entire animation sequence that went with it. It's I really love how cool. the, they keep like the 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 ending never breaks the tone of, of the episode, right? Like we end right. on kind of a spooky, weird, surreal vibe. And so that the, the ending plays into that instead of just playing like, you know, the poppy power ending from before. Like it's a really cool yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. Um Theo who's who's here in chat shared some some 
spoilery stuff on my Twitter if you want some more insight into what the imagery in this ending theme may be alluding to. But without getting into that, because I don't want to do spoilers on the podcast, uh, there's a lot of horses. Like we start with this um, black stallion horse doing it's it's doing a a walk cycle. Mm-hmm. I'd also like to talk to whoever animated that because that's notoriously hard. But like yeah. it's this big black stallion. For some reason, there's a urinal behind it. I don't know why. Um, but then that walk cycle keeps kind of evolving with different things that are still horse-like but not horses and it changes depending on which character it's focusing on at the time so we also see like this like stuffed animal that like a little kid might have uh it's also a horse but just you know small and and squishy and it does the same thing um we see himeno as a centaur like sagittarius which i'm not sure why it went with that either but we see that um we see a headless sort of demonic looking horse attached to power which i think maybe is just supposed to tie into the fact that she's a fiend and then we also see a horse um monster that's like made out of hands and weird spiky spine bits and stuff it's really cool and there's also a lot of like infinity imagery like a mobius strip and um you know, just the affinity symbol and all these affinity symbol made out of a chainsaw track and all these other sorts are like really cool. It kind of reminded me, did you ever, um, you remember that movie? It's like 20 years old now. Uh, the cell with uh, Jennifer Lopez, where she like goes inside the mind. I was obsessed with that movie. Yeah. As like, I thought it was really good and an underrated movie. I watched, I had it on uh, DVD. I, I love that movie. I, I think. Yeah. I haven't watched it in a long time, but the dream, cause she's, mind diving into this yeah yeah well, and the bit with like when the horse gets like yes it did remind me of that mm-hmm. oh i'm so glad it's from that movie because when i saw the horse and parts of this thing i was like why does this remind me of a horse um being sliced, sliced. up into slices and i couldn't i thought it was from hannibal because i think there is something with a human where he does that in the hannibal tv series i was like oh maybe it was oh yes that. yeah but maybe you're right the it's the cell yeah because it shows the horse and then the, the glass falls on it. And, and it, it separates. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the organs. That, that's that's one of those images. It's it stuck with me ever since I saw that movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. That movie's sick. Yeah. Uh, Go watch the Jennifer Lopez, The Cell. I forget who plays the killer in that movie. But she's, you know. I forget too. There's also a weird scene where she's hiding in a closet and she steps in a bucket full of eels. I don't know why that always stuck with me too. Um, it's a, a very much a movie where the, the imagery is at the forefront for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Red. There's a lot of red in that movie. Um, yeah. We ate up almost all the time that we were going to use to talk about Akiba Made War and um, Mob Psycho. And I feel bad, but Mob Psycho is really good. If you haven't been watching it, I guess I'll just give like a quick rundown. Um, I mean, the face-off right now is between Mob and Dimple. Dimple's returned as a as a villain. In this case, he's taken on a new stupid form and is trying to, you know, become leader of. Um, what a betrayal, right? I mean, what a, yeah. no one is surprised. I I don't think. Yeah. Because Dimple's been a, a little shit forever. Yeah. But still, it's just like. I think he's mad that he's been set on the back burner for so long, right? Because he, I mean, he hasn't really had a big moment, and his original when he was alive. He wanted, you know, to gain popularity, prominence, power, 
And he's now seen a new opportunity to do that by merging with a giant piece of broccoli that everybody is worshiping and becoming Psycho Helmet. And the, the neat thing about what's going on right now, though, is that he is conflicted because he does care about Mob, even though he would never admit it. You'd rather, excuse me, him and Mob be cult leaders together and rule over everyone who is currently brainwashed than, um, than to harm him. But Mob's not down for that because, you know, free will is important and everything. He's a good boy. He's such a good boy. Yeah. Maybe the goodest boy. Yeah. He's possibly. I I mean, definitely up there. Definitely up there for goodest boy. Um, Theo points out that Dimple also told Mob that his crush is out of his league, which is just horrible. Why would you do that? The boy has enough self esteem issues already. Yeah. And, And again, that boy has personality to spare. Yeah, he can, he he can get any any partner he wants. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> he deserves to be happy. He know? does, and I mean, I also think it's mean because hey, he's like thirteen or fourteen years old. He still has a lot of growing to. He's only in like seventh grade. He's got a lot of growing to do. He's not a man yet. You know, maybe she is out of his league right now, but he still can grow into himself. And Did they ever bring back the. <laughs> the girl from the season two premiere that he kind of like, he, I don't, I don't know. The one with the torn up with the writer and she, yeah, 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 yeah. She's around. Yeah. She's shown up in a couple episodes. I think they Um, should date. I'm not, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to ship them. I'm going to write my fanfic (laughs) where they, where they get together and and have babies and uh, live happily ever after. That's my, that's my ending. Yeah. Go to college together and just, Mm -hmm. yeah. She works on her creative writing and wants to publish her great novel. And he supports um, her every step of the way because he, he would. would. Do that. He would. Yeah. He would. Um, uh, Steve Gattuso also points out Wish from Mercury is pretty amazing this week. Oh, yeah, it was. God. Totally wrecked me. Thanks for the reminder. I am forever traumatized by Happy Birthday. Thanks to that show, man. Again. But, <laughs> it's like the second. Again. Time. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot going on in Wish Mercury right now um, emotionally. Uh, we just had the big fight with uh, Soleta and Elon. People, there's a lot of hypothesizing about the timeline in the show right now and how her uh, Gundam Ariel actually works. And if, you know, Soleta is the little girl from the prologue episode or not, because right now the timeline doesn't seem to match up. Um, so there's still a lot of secrets to be revealed in that. It's it's good. Also, um, uh, what's his name? It's not Jerk, but it's like Geyerk. Yeah. Anyway, he's been kicked out and is now camping out. He's 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 living. He's basically living in a van down by the river. He is it's not even in a van. And this has led to some great fan art that I've seen on Twitter of putting him in laid back camp because yeah, yeah. yeah. Turk. Thank you, Ginger Frog. Yes. Turk. I'm like, I know it's not jerk, but it's basically jerk. I mean, and but, the show the show hasn't. I, I don't know if they're like saving it for later or if they really are just going to like completely pull back on the whole Mirin and Suleta like yeah uh, uh, relationship. But um, there were there were some cute moments where uh, Mirin was really laying the whole bride thing on pretty thick, where she's like, yeah. "I can I can tolerate some minor two timing." Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, allowing her to go in her ba- go on her battle sort of date. thing with her battle date, date. <laughs> battle date with elon and um man is it really pronounced the same way as musk uh maybe ellen ellen 
Meg just makes you think Ellen DeGeneres. Right? Yeah, so really we can't win in this scenario. Yeah, um, that was pretty cute. And then it, it took it took a while to hit me what really happened at the end there. I was like, is that, this, is that the same one or is that a different one? But mm -hmm. they really, she really said, today's your birthday. And then they he lost and they pulled the plug on him. Yep. Literally. No. And they like did the, that. Uh, I, I, it's, it's such, it's almost a cheap move how effective it is. Yeah. And they have like the character waiting and, you, you know, the dramatic. Oh, at the bench. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh, I hope they get here even... soon. Cut yeah. to credits. Like, screw you, show. <laughs> I'm already <laughs> obsessively refreshing the election results. Yeah. Uh, I can't Any changes this, during though. the stream, James? Uh, honestly, it's actually looking really good, but good my state you. is my state's kind of dumb in that. Well, yeah, it's kind of dumb, and that we have our like super major metropolitan areas that all tend to vote one way, and then mm -hmm. we have like the other seventy percent of the state that like trickles in real slow. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've been betrayed before, where we're 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 up by like ten points at like eight o'clock, and then. Um, things flip because all of everything the, goes to shit while you're asleep i know but every <laughs> things are looking good so far that's good so come on come on purple state <laughs> yeah uh, so we are, we are now running over but i do kind of want to hear about occupy made war from you james because uh it was also a birthday episode the gundam parallels are so funny <laughs> yeah yeah well last week we had the chainsaw and now we've got the birthday. It, it, it almost feels like it's on purpose. Um, <laughs> but yes, this was a good birthday because For everyone's... Ronco? Yeah, Ronco got her, her first birthday since getting out of prison, we learned. <laughs> Which is... Uh, there's almost too much. The fact that her yeah. birthday invitation flyer was the most sad, quaint thing imaginable. It's something to the effect of... Uh, in these, uh, we understand that in these busy times, it may not be possible, but we wish that you take some time out of your 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 schedules to celebrate Ranko's birthday at the Oinky Doink or something. <laughs> the Oinky Doink. Like their minor brother Ronko turned 36 in this yeah. episode, which, you know, gives me hope that I too can still go to jail, come out and become a killer maid yeah. in Akihabara if I put my mind to it. And you got to appreciate that all the people that are talking shit about Ranko for being 36 get uh, brutally beaten and murdered with pipes. <laughs> so, um, the or as our reviewer Steve said, they will not survive the winter, and they didn't. Yeah. And yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, and we we get a little tiny more bit of backstory. I mean, we get confirmation that that Ranko was the the maid at the beginning of the first episode that, okay, that yeah. shot that um, after her matron manager chief yeah. died um but the the parallels between her and um, nagomi become uh, a lot more uh in focus because we learned that once upon a time ranko was a pacifist that didn't want to participate in bloody mob made wars they also didn't want to kill nobody but um but she learned that sometimes in order to defend the things that you love you just gotta to break a skull with a pipe and you just gotta cap somebody <laughs> yeah and so, and uh, I, I really appreciated the um, the bit where all the other maids are trying to pretend to be assholes to uh, to hide the fact that they bought a nice cake for for Ranko, and um, I forget her name, the the pigtails girl. Um, oh right, I know who you're talking uh, about. Yeah, she does the laugh of the other character, the one from um, Utina, the blonde one, the best one. <laughs> 
Oh, Nanami. Yeah, yeah, she does the Nanami laugh with like the frying pan. Um, <laughs> there's just a lot of great moments. The show is amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'd say, honestly, it's probably, God, I don't know, like, Witch from Mercury is so good. Mob mm -hmm. is so good. Mm -hmm. This is, uh, this has been maybe the most packed season that I've experienced in my time covering anime professionally. Team Epic was also good this week. <laughs> I, liked, I, mean, I yeah. liked the uh, visual novel bit. It was. That, it was on point. The Tokimeki yeah. Memorial vibes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then they flipped it for like the male voice actors and changed them all to like. Yeah. It's like the most I've seen them do like a, a switch up in the, the B-side bit. Yeah. Well, not the B-side. Sorry. Rest in peace. <laughs> Rest in peace. B -side. Yeah. Yeah. It was practically a B-side bit though. I will say the, um, the, the recorder toot in the ending theme. Um, I, I was I laughed hard enough to spit up what I was drinking. That before. tapped into something for me because I have kids and my son had to do the like the hot cross bun. Should I do yes. on the recorder? And so when they did that, I was like, no. I still refuse to admit the recorder is even a legitimate instrument. I think it was just a torture device. To no, it's not. It's it's a complete sham. Um, <laughs> but that's what makes it perfect for Pop Team Epic because yeah. Um, yeah. only the most uh, pointless and harmful of instruments would be appropriate for, yeah. for its musical accompaniment. And they could have chosen an accordion. I would have accepted that as well. But hey, Weird Al has claim on that. <laughs> and true. his movie just came out, so they don't want to step on his toes. You it can only sense. have one accordion player at a time in any given culture. In any given yeah. decade. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they have to fight to the death. And it's not <laughs> pretty because Weird Al always wins. So Yeah. Little known fact, he's a bloodthirsty killer. His um, kill count is like in the triple digits at this point, yeah. guys. Like, just watch out, okay? Yeah. If you cross him, just go to the other side of the street. Yeah. No, he will end you. Mm -hmm. He will end you. He's like Suge Knight from the East Coast, West Coast rap battles in the 90s. He will dangle you over a balcony and he will threaten your life. Um, but then he'll he'll do a he'll make a polka out of it. So Man, Weird Al Yankovic, please don't sue us. He won't. He just recommended people to torrent the latest film, actually, if they get access to it. He put it on Twitter. Yeah. Just, just steal it. Um, all right. Why can't he buy Twitter? I want Weird Al to own Twitter. That Go would on. be amazing, right? But he doesn't have $44 billion. I mean, <laughs> neither does Elon Musk at this point. <laughs> well, most of the modern yeah, world. All right, everybody. Uh, thanks for sticking it out while we talked about a lot of uh, fun stuff, especially uh, Nebraska and <laughs> latest episode Chainsaw Man. Um, if you enjoyed listening to this, uh, you know, give us a good review on like Apple Music or Spotify. Give us some stars. Add us to your playlists or whatever. Share us with your friends. Um, we always appreciate it. And until next time. I never prep this. Until next time, uh, we'll see you right here Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. Bye. Nebraska deserves better. It does. It really does. Yeah.